great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, see, we just got to figure out a way to put LGBTQ into every headline. If it's it's not news, unless it's about LGBTQ. Uh, do you ever feel that way when you're you know watching some of the TV news anymore, or reading some of the uh, uh, the liberal print media outlet sources? It's all LGBTQ all the time. Yeah, bring the drag queens to the Capitol in Helena because they need to talk to your kids. They need to show these books to your kids. It's all LGBTQ. LGBTQ all the time. And yet, here we have over a billion dollars in tax relief that's being delivered, that's going to soon be delivered to uh, folks all across Montana. Man, what are we talking about here now? Thankfully, the Associated Press actually finally did do some news this morning. Yeah, one of these uh, tax uh, relief measures provides up to $1,250 tax rebates for individual income taxpayers, up to a $1,000 property tax rebate over the next two years. The two bills combined that the governor has already said he will sign and that the bills are already headed to his desk, these two bills combined could total up to $3,500 for a couple living in their own home if they filed a joint taxes. Uh, and then, you know, and then, of course, you're lowering the tax rates for all the Montanans in that tax bracket as well. Anyway, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Tim Adams, uh, lives in the uh, in the Missoula area. We've talked with him about redistricting, and we've talked with him about uh, you know you know other topics of the day. Uh, redistricting has been a big one. Uh, he's a former Montana Media Trackers reporter. Uh, he's done uh, data analytics work uh, for the Montana GOP. Uh, but for those who don't know, Tim Tim Adams uh, also uh, happens to be gay. And anyway, Tim Adams asked me this question. He said, he said, hey, here in Missoula, I'm not seeing hardly any news headlines, any TV stories about this huge tax relief uh, that the governor is going to be signing and that the legislature just just passed with the final hurdle here this week. Uh, is it just not news? And so I just had to joke and respond. I finally had to send the tweet out. Here's what I sent out via Twitter about uh, 40 minutes ago. Historic tax relief is about to be delivered for LGBTQ Montanans. Now, see... The historic tax relief is going to all Montanans. Yes, even LGBTQ Montanans. But see, it's only news if we talk about the money going to the LGBTQ folks. The fact that it's going to you and anybody else, uh, our friends on the uh, Native American reservations, our, our veterans, small business owners. Ah, no, 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 no. It's only news if the money is going to the LGBTQ folks for many in the news media. You know, so like when we're talking about efforts to fight wildfires forest health measures you know now we just need to change the headline on everything in order for it to be news governor triples the number of acres that are now being treated in our national forests and in our state lands as an effort to protect lgbtq townsquarelocal.com and be the town square today Broadcasting live across the great state of Montana. 
This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Uh-oh, misfire. I accidentally uh, hit my microphone on button there for a second. I had the early... The early gasp, because it's Friday. We're wrapping up the week here with Open Lines Friday here on Montana Talks, taking your phone calls all across the state. Not only uh, do you get a chance to hear what people across Montana have to say, but you get a chance to be heard across Montana as well. 406-294-0970 is the number. Uh, Great to be with you here on this Friday. Uh, As you can tell, I'm already having a little too much fun on this Friday. Earlier this week, I kept listening to this clip and listening to this clip over and over and over again because really i think in order to properly wrap up this week we have got to go back to the news that started the week uh the department of energy releasing this classified report where they point the finger at the communist chinese and say yeah it's likely that the uh covid19 virus uh, came from the lab in china you mean the lab in china that studies coronavirus could be the source of the coronavirus leak. Wow, shocking, shocking assessment there. I remember when 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 we uh, when we raised that question on this show. Uh, first off, multiple times going back to the spring of 2020. I remember there was there was one liberal listener in Bozeman. Did you just, just suggest that this virus might have come from the lab in China? Uh, yeah, of course I did. Anyway, it's just just it's it's just blatantly obvious uh, that that is the likely source of where COVID-19 came from. And yes, uh, one of our listeners emailed me the Chinese virologist uh, who has who has said not only did it come from the lab in China, but China deliberately released the virus. I have seen uh, uh, that scientist. Uh, I've I think she was on Tucker Carlson's program, and that is the real question. The question isn't isn't did it come from China? Did it come from the lab? The question is, did they do it deliberately? And does our government know about it? But anyway, to to properly wrap up the week, we have got to play once again for you. The John Stewart clip from the CBS Late Show back in June of 2021, where even the liberal comedian John Stewart knew how obvious it was that the virus came from the lab in China. Okay, okay. What about this? What about this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right, John. Oh my God! Oh my God! There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know, maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. That could be. Oh, man. And, uh, you know, Colbert has basically become a mouthpiece for the communist Chinese, much like the Biden administration. And uh, it's just too bad that Colbert didn't learn more uh, from from John Stewart uh, from his years on The Daily Show together. All right, let's get to your phone calls. 406-294-0970. Linda in Churchill, great to hear from you. What's on your mind? Yes, good morning, Aaron, and thank you again for a wonderful program. I believe the Americans are being used like we're in a lab rat or a a lab where they do the testing on rats because we've just come through the COVID, but now we have another epidemic, and it's the transgender. Now, 
I personally believe that it starts with the childhood vaccination because we're seeing so much of this. So could this be coming from the lab as well? Hmm. That's interesting that, that, yeah, you talk about using Americans as lab rats, how they're ex- test, experimenting on Americans, especially when it mm-hmm. comes to this, this radical transgender agenda. Yeah. Especially when we know how the tests, uh, like, we don't need to experiment with this thing, right? It's not like, <laughs> it's not like the idea of sex change surgeries just came out two years ago, and, and they're saying, oh, well, you know what, maybe we should let these kids try this. No, we already uh-huh. know how the tests come out, because yes, Europe has yes. been testing this for 40 something, 30, 40 years now, and it was a disaster. So why would we start yes. testing American kids like they're lab rats yes. here now? That's a really good point you make. Well, thank you so very much, and I hope that people will ponder that and consider that's a possibility, and God bless America. That's, thank you, Eric. That's right. Thank you, Linda. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Yeah, so, like, take, for example, in the Montana legislature, you've got these uh, uh, liberal lawmakers uh, that that want to be able to do these transgender surgeries on kids and then give them some of these medical uh, uh, prescriptions that could sterilize kids, that could cause osteoporosis. I saw another story today that that points out how the Biden administration is pushing this transgender medical care, but at the same time, the very research that our government is already paying for, like through the National Institute of Health, is already showing the dangers of doing these types of treatments, of doing these types of surgeries on little kids. I mean, even if you put sterilization aside, even if you put the fact that you're removing healthy body parts from kids aside, they point out here several, this is from the federalist.com, several NIH-funded studies examine specific risks of cross-sex hormone treatment, bone loss, Increased risk of thrombosis, drug overdose, heart attack, and stroke. But they're saying, no, 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 no. We want to be able to, to give these to the kids, to, to help the kids. 800 All investments involve risk, including losses. Past performance does not guarantee future results. He is not squishy, and he is definitely not a journalist. He is Dan Bongino, and you can hear him each weekday, 10 to 1, on News Talk 103.3 and AM 970. Serving the great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, I, I had to send out another tweet. We could have fun with this all day long, couldn't we? We could just uh, keep going with this one. Uh, here's the latest tweet I just sent 60 seconds ago during the break. Governor triples the number of acres treated to help protect from wildfire threat. But the alternate headline, again, if you want the news to be news, you have to have LGBTQ in the headline here. Governor protects LGBTQ Montanans from threat of wildfires. Oh, there you go. There's your headline. That's how we're going to make the news news for the liberal news. 406-294-0970. Let's go to Jody in Billings. Jody, thanks for the call. What's on your mind? Um, 
Yes, Erin. I recently have been trying to help my son who has autism but has been able to live alone. So we're trying to facilitate that. And I ran through the housing, and it is absolutely a nightmare. Whoever's running this, there's four buildings, the waste of that. We could have money galore put back into the system if we had these four buildings put into one, one secretary, one heating bill, and all this. It's absolutely a disaster. It's so disorganized. And I've heard the head of the housing is in terrible health. She doesn't even, she lets everything go just like, you know, let it go. She needs to be investigated, and um, there needs to be a whole new, <clears throat> everything needs to be revamped. And so what is it? Fact, so this is like an independent living facility then that, that your son's living in uh, uh, out out on the economy. Who runs what what organiz, what agency or organization runs the program? Well, I'm talking about HDRC, all the housing facilities where people go to try to get help getting housing. Like Section Eight is an absolutely it's a joke. You wait all these years to get on the list, then they give you 40 lists of places you go and try to rent from. 15 of them are no longer even on the list, and the other 25 are backlogged <clears throat> for years. So with, there's nothing to help people in Section 8. And the places that were available are available all the time, and I wouldn't put my dog in them. <clears throat> and some of these families are being, they're being um, waiting for this, and then you get to it, and you see all the ways there's eight or nine people in there facilitating Section 8, and then you get nothing. Hmm. And they're they're lining people up saying, here, here, go get Section 8. Well, there's no places to rent. There's no places and to go. Well, and then, like, we had a caller yesterday. I don't know if this is what prompted your call today, but at the tail end of our, our statewide show yesterday, we had a, a lady call from Billings, and this Montana Emergency Rental Assistance Program, which is a COVID-era rental assistance program, you know, uh, you know, her issue was this. She says, she says, you know, you had all these people from out of the state of Montana come in here, take advantage of these programs. They're living in hotel rooms. The taxpayers are paying for it. They're trashing the hotel rooms rooms the the program's running out of money and meanwhile the the montanans who actually live here uh and and came upon hard times their rent got jacked up because of the the rush of of out of staters that that flocked into the state then they can't they can't benefit from the program and so uh, yeah it's a it's a challenging situation all around yeah guess what else i found out people from the border are coming here for free we aren't vetting them we you know that situation I, are we the only, I mean, is this throughout the whole United States, the MIRA program, or is it just us? I think they're trying to yeah, it's a federal program. from the border. Yeah, it's a federal program, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're sending illegal aliens oh. our direction and, and, and abusing these, these same programs, because that's exactly what they've, what they've been doing. Uh, it's funny, I've, I, I've mentioned this before, but, but when I've traveled for, you know, say, my, my military training, uh, um, there's a few days where I have to pay for my own housing. And and I will guarantee you, uh, in, in some parts of the country, I will guarantee you that I am paying for housing, probably in a same facility where they're paying for an illegal alien to be housed in. Uh, that is John Tester's America. That is Joe Biden's America that we are living in right now. Uh, yeah, thanks thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Lots of callers on the line, 294-0970. Looks like Angela in Billings wants to talk about the uh, the rent uh, situation as well. Angela, thanks for the call. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much. So I've been living here in my place for about 10 months, 
and um, I am a pro- I'm a professional single mother, and I have two kids. Now I'm I've been facing with the neighbor upstairs that is smoking nonstop. Uh, continuously. It is a non-smoking building. When I signed the lease, it was stating in the lease that it's non-smoking. I brought this issue to the landlord several times. They never did nothing about it. And I am aware as a non-smoker that I have the right to clean air. It's, it's in the Bill of Rights. So I I should be protected with this. Now, I know there's a health and fire hazard in the building because he's smoking continuously. No measures are taken against him. Um, However, they are trying to reinforce me as a non-smoker to not open the door outside to clean the air. Mm. So, so you can't even in, get fresh air my, from outside because the cigarette smoke's coming down. Uh, here, so exactly. So, so your frustration is like, hey, you've, you're, you know, you've got a frustration frustration going on with the place you're renting, and you know, before maybe you could pack up and say, I'm out of here, I'm going somewhere else. Well, mm-hmm. there's no there's nowhere else to go uh, that's affordable. No. So what do you do? Um, let me let me also throw one other one other angle at you here, Angela. Because I've heard this from from like the Montana Landlords Association. Let let's say your landlord did do something or does want to do something to crack down on that guy that's smoking those cigarettes upstairs from you. I wonder how big of a fight it would take for that landlord to actually be able to rein that guy in, to actually be able to clean out the air for you. Because from what I've heard, you can have you can have drugged up, non rent paying uh, folks basically, you know, you know, occupying your your facility and and the pain and the hassle that it takes to try to get them booted out of there uh, is is huge. For, that's just what I've heard. So it'd be interesting to see what if your landlord is trying to take on that. I'm not saying they are or aren't, but what if they are trying to take out the fight? How how hard is it for them to actually help you out? Right. No. And this in my situation, they're actually. Uh, for him and against me. So in, in where I'm at right now, I'm actually looking for a, another place to live because this is not going nowhere and I'm tired of fighting it. And me and my kids do not deserve to live in this place. And plus, um, there's one thing, one, one element here. If I'm trying to get a, a place to rent, um, the rent requirement for you is to have three times your income to be three times the rent. Yeah. Well, I'm a single, uh, like I'm a single parent. That means uh, there's so that one be hard to do. Uh, yeah. income, mm-hmm. one income per household. So that does not make no sense. Yeah, that that can be a challenge as well. I know. It, you know, it's interesting. I, I I've uh, known friends and folks who who rent out uh, you know properties, and and they 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 raise the good question, which is, hey, I could raise rent this much right now because of what the market conditions are and it's interesting cuz cuz what they'll tell you is yeah you could raise your you could you could raise your rent a lot higher and somebody would probably pay pay that amount you would probably find somebody but what's interesting is they will tell you that your better renters who are going to have better long-term stability who are going to be reliable 
are are sometimes the good, hardworking, decent folks who can't maybe afford that higher rent, but they're going to be faithful about paying just a little bit lower than that. I, I've always found that pretty interesting uh, when it comes to the rental markets. All right. Hey, next up on the phone lines, uh, Angela, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. Let's go. We've got State Senator Steve Heinbaugh on the line. Uh, must be heading home for the transmittal deadline uh, for the transmittal break. Senator Heinbaugh, great to hear from you. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm doing great. I'll bet you're doing even better. You get a you get a few days yeah. back home, huh? We're, we're going to go talk to some cows. Yeah. That works any better. <laughs> so, uh, we uh, we just uh, one thing I wanted to tell you, Aaron, is you're sure a rock star around the around the legislature, especially on the conservative side, and we appreciate what you do. Thanks for thanks for airing our uh, all of our concerns. Oh, you're too um, kind. Thank you. But, one thing, another thing I was going to mention, we had a, we had all four um, of our national delegates at the Capitol last week, and it was inter- interesting to me to hear how John Tester is a big fan of the Keystone Pipeline and then closing the border. Um, we all wondered where he was at when he was voting. I don't know if anybody else is uh, understands that, but it sure seems like it's uh, hypocritical to me. Yeah. Yeah, he showed up at the legislature, what, two weeks ago. I support the Keystone Pipeline. Well, where were you when we needed you? You could have gotten the job done, and you didn't. You refused. You actually voted against it when it mattered the most. Yeah, that's that's how he is, and I hope everybody remembers that when it comes time to, to vote for him again, because uh, we're getting tired of hypocrisy around our, our country, you know. So. Yeah. I, I saw on Twitter as well, the uh, legislative Democrats were touting it. Uh, uh, John Tester supports this radical transgender agenda. He he does not yeah. want to have protections in place to protect kids from these life-altering surgeries. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's not he's not a Montana, I can tell you that. So he he might he might have been lived here and born here, but uh, but he sure don't. He's not like most Montanans. Yeah. Hey, with about a minute to go before our next break, and then more callers on the line, Senator Heinbaugh, as you make the drive back to Weibo, uh, first half of the legislature, how would you rate it thus far? What are you most proud of? I'm proud that we've been able to uh, to cut taxes and give money back to our to our constituents. I think it's their money, and they need to have it. And and uh, we're we we've, we've given quite a bit of back already, and we're. <clears throat> Oh, sounds like you're losing cell coverage. I, I probably you're in about two or three different places between Billings and Glendive. I can imagine. Yeah, he's losing cell coverage. Uh, I, I've done that drive many times myself, and uh, the cell service will cut in and out. But hey, if you're in the Billings area, you're in the Forsyth area, and then you're heading on into Glendive, that cell phone may be cutting in and out. But the radio is rocking and rolling. Uh, So he'll keep listening. Thanks for the call, Senator Heinbaugh. Uh, Greatly appreciated. Coming up after this, James Brown calling in from Dillon. I'm going to be in Dillon tomorrow night for the Lincoln-Reagan dinner. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to hearing from Jim right after this. This is the Montana Economic Minute. Call me heartless, but I've rarely found that referring to particular goods and services as rights to be a productive way of addressing policy issues. Do we have a right to housing, to health care, to food, or to education? It goes against conventional thinking to say that we don't, yet when we assert these things and then go on to circumvent markets to provide them to people, we end up with the most costly, least efficient, and often the most corrupt boondoggles on the planet. A famous quote from Adam Smith, the father of modern economics, comes to mind. It's not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer, or the baker that we expect our dinner, but from their regard to the 
their own self-interest, he said. Those who plan, develop, and build housing have a self-interest. Denying, vilifying, or ignoring that is folly. The key to solving housing affordability problem is ultimately building more housing, and those who can and will build it seek to earn a return on their efforts. Aligning their interests with those of communities is the key to sustainable success. I'm Patrick Barkey. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research. This is where Montana talks ag with Lane Nordland. Well, it was a busy week in Washington, D.C. as I attended the National Potato Council's Washington Summit. But also this week, a House Select Committee on Strategic Competition between the U.S. and China held its first meeting titled The Chinese Communist Party's Threat to America. Representative Dan Newhouse of Washington sits on the committee and says China is one of the most significant markets for agriculture products for the United States, but their tariff and non-tariff trade barriers are difficult. Bottom line is China does not play by the global rules on trade. During the hearing, Representative Newhouse also discussed the concern that Chinese-based companies continue to buy agriculture land in the United States. And during the hearing, Newhouse asked former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster to weigh in. I describe in, in my written testimony the three C's of co-option, coercion, and concealment. Co-opt by trying to build dependencies from U.S. agriculture on the Chinese market. And then, hey, once you're in, then to use that for coercive purposes. The commercial aspect of this is often tied to the United Front Work Department, an arm of the Ministry of State Security, which forms organizations that look innocuous, that promote U.S.-China dialogue and, and economic discourse in the area of agriculture, in, in particular in the American heartland. Again, that was a hearing in the House of Representatives on China's threat to America's heartland. I'm Lane Nordland. This is where Montana talks. Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we've got some phone lines open for you right now, 406-294-0970. We've also got some messages that have come in on our Montana Talks app. You know, all this uh, conversation about uh, identity. How do you identify? And all this uh, nonsense about pronouns. It's ma'am. Paul and Ennis uh, writes this. I would like to identify as someone who is 59 and a half years old so I can start withdrawing my retirement without penalties. And since all I can do now is watch it go down in value because of this wonderful administration uh, in the White House. Paul, thanks uh, thanks for that message. Uh, Kitty in Wolf Point has a good question here, talking about the state legislature now that we're uh, here at the uh, halfway point for the state legislature. Was there a bill passed on the daylight savings time as to discontinue the changing of the time back and forth? Great question, Kitty. I know there was a a bill about that from a previous legislative session, but I don't think it forced anything yet. Uh, But maybe one of the lawmakers that's traveling across the state could give us an answer uh, to that question here. Uh, Meanwhile, Larry in Great Falls, listening to KINX, he he shares this. New York City to pay out $6 million to George Floyd protesters. 
Not sure if the white Karens are left out, but yeah, New York City paying $6 million to George Floyd protesters. Unbelievable here. Yeah, and he shared a CNN piece. New York has agreed to pay at least $21,500 to each of the hundreds of demonstrators at a 2020 George Floyd protest in the Bronx who were, quote, arrested, detained, and or subjected to force by police officers. So if they're paying uh, 20-some thousand dollars to George Floyd protesters, could you imagine the reaction if they gave $20,000 to January 6th protesters? Imagine the reaction from CNN if that was the story they were reporting on. All right, let's go to James Brown, Dillon, Montana. James, hope to see you tomorrow night. Thanks for the call. Yeah, we're excited to have you come to Dillon tomorrow, and yes, I will be there, and I look forward to hearing you speak. Well, yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm so honored to to be the the keynote speaker for the Lincoln Reagan event there, and uh, yeah, glad glad we'll see you as well. Well, what's on your mind this morning? Well, I want to pick up where we kind of left off uh, before Election Day last year in my Supreme Court race, where we had talked about the disproportionate amount of money that was flowing in from third parties into my Supreme Court race, and the amount of uh, outside uh, out-of-state money that was flowing in, into that uh, race. And it took me some time to put together just exactly who was spending in my race and amounts, but I finally got that done, and so I wanted to circle back with you. Yeah, well, very interesting. Yeah, so for those who don't know, uh, Jim Brown is the chairman of the Public Service Commission here in Montana and then also ran for uh, the Montana Supreme Court seat in the in the past election. You were running against this radical leftist, uh, Ingrid Gustafson. And boy, I, you want to talk about fake news media, the fake news media that lied about Russia hoax, the fake news media that lied about COVID-19. And uh, they, they were also the same media that would lie about about your race and, and make Make Ingrid Gustafson look like she was nonpartisan. I, it was just the the coverage was just outrageous uh, in the in that race. But yeah, w- tell us what you pulled together in terms of the out of state funding that flowed into her campaign. So where I'll pick up is what you and I talked about is, is the Trial Lawyer Association exerts a, a undue amount of influence in Supreme Court races, of course, and. It's been interesting watching the legislature for the first half where, uh, you know, there was, a, I thought, a, a consensus for judicial reform in Montana, but apparently that's not the case. In fact, I would ask your listenership to ask their local legislators what they're doing or what they passed on judicial reform, and I think they'll, the answer will be almost nothing. Mm. But we identified the trial lawyers as being the biggest player, players in these races, and it, by my calculation now, I think I figured out that they spent through their various PACs, almost over $2 million uh, in my race. The majority of that came through something called Montanans for Liberty and Justice PAC, about $1.5 million in expenditures, and then uh, Montana Law PAC, uh, they had about 600000 expenditures through that, and then the trial lawyers did about another 132000 in this race. Now, what's really interesting, I think your listenership will find, is, is that... <clears throat> The narrative in my race, of course, was is that you know I was the partisan in the race, and you know Gustafson was the independent. But through my uh, research, I've identified that, uh, of course, we know that Bullock and uh, Senator Baucus uh, had endorsed or 
worked on behalf of uh, Gustafson, but I also found out that John Tester's pack, the Treasure State pack, was also playing uh, around in my state Supreme Court race. And so that should give your listeners some indication of the amount of money that was being spent to influence the, the outcome of my race. Yeah. And, and, and I also remember, you know, the trial lawyers, oftentimes they were the name on some of these uh, dark money campaign ads attacking you or supporting Gustafson. But oftentimes, too, there were big, massive checks that were funneled into those groups that weren't even from the trial lawyers. It was from these, these mega, these Democrat Party mega donors that were funneling money and then just using the, you know, uh, the, these other groups like the trial lawyers as as the name on the ad campaign. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. You know, the transmittal deadline just uh, hits hits at midnight tonight, but basically the state legislature is wrapping it up. This is halftime. They've got 90 days for the legislative session. So for the next week, these lawmakers will be back home in their districts on a transmittal break. But uh, I'm with you. Not the time to give your lawmakers a break. This is your time to twist their arm because they've been getting hassled and hit up by all the lobbyists and the bureaucrats in Helena for the last you know couple of months. Now's your chance to twist their arm and say, hey, let's get some judicial reform. Let's get some accountability in this uh, in this uh, partisan uh, judiciary. Yeah, that's exactly right. And to your point about individual uh, Matt, uh, individuals giving mass amounts of money, and we talked about this during my race, uh, this woman named Mary Strahan, uh, Strahan here in Montana, yeah. Con- yep. yeah, contributed hundreds of thousands of dollars into my race, which is absolutely remarkable that one person can influence the outcome of a judicial race. But here are some of the groups that played around in my my race. All right, you ready for this list? And this is basically a, a who's who of liberal groups. All right, so Ford Montana, Montana 55 Action Fund, the Montana Conservation Voters, the Montana Rural Voters Action Fund, Montanans for Liberty and Justice, Planned Parenthood Advocates for Montana, Western Native Voice, the Montana Public Employees Union, and then something called the Montanans Organized for Education. All so, phony Democrat Party front groups funded by out-of-state rich white guys. Uh, I mean, really. <laughs> I don't know about the last part, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But where the point of this conversation is, is the concept of judicial independence in these Supreme Court races just goes out the window when you actually shine the light on who's, who's playing around in these races. Yeah. And that's what I tried to do in my race, and... Um, I think we brought some of that to light, but apparently not enough. Well, that, no, I'm glad you called in because there's a lot to celebrate from the first half of the state legislature, but it, there's also still a lot of work that needs to be done, and judicial accountability uh, in cleaning up this nonsense that's been going on our courts needs needs to take place as well. And uh, kind of like how, what we said after the November elections, you've got a super majority in Helena, so let's act like it. Uh, James Brown, thanks for the call. Nice surprise phone call from you. Great information. We'll jump back into your phone calls right after this, 406-294-0970. Let's see. Looks like we got, uh, let's see, Mike in Billings, Jim in Great Falls. we got some phone lines open for you as well, 406-294-0970. Or you can send us a quick message. Settle for less. This isn't your grandpa's bowl building. Learn more at aldrichlumber.com. Will you be tagged? Podcast on the Montana Talks app. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana owned. Online at grizzlygoldandsilver.com.
Serving the great state of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, kind of tied in in line with this whole idea of, hey, uh, the, the people of Montana gave you a super majority, now let's act like it. Now, hey, obviously some big victories uh, delivered here, specifically the tax relief, over a billion dollars in tax relief going to, to Montanans across the state. That's huge. Uh, that should not be downplayed in the least. Uh, but but tied in with that about you got a majority, you got a super majority. Now let's act like it. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had a great line yesterday when he was on with Dana Perino on Fox News, and he talked about how there is this big, big anti woke majority all across America that's 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 against all of this you know transgender uh, agenda being target targeting kids all of this nonsense right the gender pronoun uh, nonsense he says there is a big anti-woke majority and he, and at the same time he called out the Republicans who are sitting on the sidelines in the midst of that debate he referred to them as potted plants just sitting there. I thought that was a great line. I uh, got a message from Sally, I think in Sunburst, Montana. She says, I agree with today's uh, lady caller concerning experimentation on the general population, especially our children. One-time only vaccines have offered lifetime protection from debilitating childhood diseases such as measles, mumps, chickenpox, polio, smallpox, pertussis, which is great. Children getting complications from contracting COVID are minuscule and rare, yet yearly COVID shots are being pushed and promoted. Uh, even though being COVID infected after the jab can still occur, the push to multi-genderize young children, pressure to provide transgender medical care, operations, procedures, plus the goal for yearly childhood COVID injections are indeed turning America's children into human petri dishes. In my opinion, the mental health and physical health of our American children is being laid on the gambling table. Well said by Sally, I think, in Sunburst there with that message. Uh, let's see. Mike in Billings, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, what's on your mind this morning? Well, I was just calling because... Um, out in Lockwood, it's a large area of Lockwood, has not received their mail at the mailbox for at least three days. When I, I call the, you can't get a hold of a local number to find out why. Uh, I did call and I got into it. It's an 800 number that you call, and they set me up with a complaint thing. I did get a call back, but she was from Kalispell. And I asked her, well, can I go down to the post office and get my mail? And they didn't have an answer for that either. And I have a small business. And this is the time of the this is the time of the month which which to uh, that I get all of my bills from, and I have not received mail for three days. Huh. So so no mail for three days, and you don't know what the answer is. Supposedly, supposedly according to the lady from Kalispell, which is a postal worker, uh, it's supposed to be fixed by Monday, uh, but I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, what did she say the issue was? Are they short mail carriers? Because everybody's kind of short on staff now. They couldn't give me an issue. Uh, there is a little post office out at the Ace Hardware, and the post the guy that picked up the mail there told the employee that, that there was some uh, health issues, I guess. 
Oh, okay. So it could be a yeah, personnel thing. Yeah, I know. Kyle, it seems like everybody's uh, short on staff uh, these days. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for putting that one on our radar. Maybe one of our listeners has an answer for you. Or, uh, or like you say, hopefully they get it up and running fast for you uh, come Monday. Thanks for the call, uh, Mike. Let's go next to Jim in Great Falls. Jim, what's on your mind? I see on the news today that old Biden is asking Congress for $1.6 billion for pandemic fraud. Now, I'm really curious. I thought that usually the money that they did in the first place for the pandemic is the reason the fraud came to back. So now they're going to go and give the people that frauded it the first time another opportunity. And then the story after that is that on your tax write-offs this year, you can write off your gambling debts. Well, can't we write off fraud debts for the taxpayers? I mean, I don't understand all this. And who gets the $1.6 billion if they give it? Good question. Yeah. So wait, so you can get gambling debts. Uh, you can take that off your taxes, but but the feds might still want to tax us for our tax rebate checks from the state. The state's not going to tax our tax rebates uh, that, that the legislature's pushing, but I'll bet the feds will still try to get their hands on it. But if you, if you gamble it away, that's all good, I guess. I don't, I don't understand the program. They legalize marijuana and then take the majority of the tax money to make a treatment facility. So then they legalize gambling, and then they have a gambling treatment center, but then you can also write off if you lost. I, I, we, we create the problem, we feed the problem, we keep the problem going, but come give us more money because we'll fix the problem. <laughs> I'm lost. You just described government. There you go, right there. Uh, reminds me of a Wall Street Journal headline uh, that I saw. There's a, a, a guest opinion in the Wall Street Journal this morning, too. Legal weed feeds the teen mental health crisis. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the DEA folks will tell you that, that the marijuana of today is not the marijuana that some of you had at the Aberdays uh, keggers back at the, in the 70s in Missoula, 20 times more potent. And that's if you even know who you're getting this stuff from and if it's not laced with fentanyl or something else out there, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, we got, uh, like, oh, man, the music is already running up here. 20 seconds, Monty and Livingston. Did you have something you want to share? I can do it in less than 20 seconds. For the last year, I've maintained that the only thing Biden hasn't screwed up in this country is that you could still get a large Coke at McDonald's for a dollar. And even now, that's just recently become history. You can't even use that joke anymore, can you? Oh, man. Well, nope. cue, cue up the air raid 